This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, July 18, 2007. I'm Caleb Brown. With prospects for reconciliation for an Iraqi government waning, what's next for the American occupation there? At least one leader of the Iraq study group is now pushing for containment of sectarian violence in Iraq instead of continued engagement. President Bush appears to be digging in. Cato Institute's Christopher Preble, the director of foreign policy studies, offers his take. There has been continued disappointment with the uh, lack of a cohesive government in Iraq. No real reconciliation has taken place. Do you think that there is a desire there among any of the parties to reconcile? I'm sure that there are some people in Iraq, there's no question, who would be who would much prefer that order be restored and that there be some kind of reconciliation. But the problem is that the dominant players in Iraq, all for different reasons, uh, are not inclined to compromise. The, the Shiites uh, who were uh, oppressed for so long by the Sunni minority are, are kind of feeling their oats and, and, and are not inclined to compromise. The Kurds uh, have managed to kind of solidify their control of the northern territories. And the, the Sunni Arabs, uh, who lost so much um, after the fall of Saddam's government, are not inclined to compromise or negotiate from a position of weakness. So for the, if you look at the three dominant play, uh, parties, the three dominant uh, factions, that's why I think it's been so hard to achieve political reconciliation so far and why I'm not uh, particularly confident that there will be a tremendous amount of progress over the next 60 days. Is the increased U.S. troop presence there helping or hurting prospects for that that type of uh, cohesion? Well, I think if the U.S. presence was conducive to political reconciliation, we would have seen more progress towards the political benchmarks than we did in the interim report issued last week. Um, Of those 18 benchmarks, um, roughly half are political uh, of some nature, and it was precisely those benchmarks that where the least amount of progress had been made. Uh, I don't doubt that some change in military strategy uh, consistent with what General Petraeus has done uh, in terms of counterinsurgency strategy has had some effect in some places. The challenge uh, as even uh, General Petraeus's own counterinsurgency manual, which was issued la- late last year, uh, specifies the number of numbers of troops you need in a country the size of Iraq to achieve uh, a kind of uh, uh, control over the country, and we don't have anywhere near that number of troops in Iraq, and, and no one is advocating that that number of troops. We Frankly, it would be hard for the United States to sustain, even for a very short period of time, uh, the numbers like you need on the order of 400,000 or so uh, to have any reasonable expectation of success. So the, the bottom line is, while, while there may have been some shift in the, 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 the nature of the violence, or there may have been some cases where uh, the sectarian killings have gone down in certain places, it has gone up in other places, and it's a, it's a persistent problem from the very beginning because we didn't have the number of troops needed to, to actually uh, decisively win uh, uh, and, and a long-term counter, counterinsurgency campaign. Has the White House attempted to downplay the importance of those benchmarks? The White House has focused on those benchmarks where there has been some success, and most of those benchmarks where there have been success, again, are more dependent upon the role the U.S. military is playing and less on the on kind of relying on, on Iraqi politicians to make uh, compromises. The bottom line is of the 18 benchmarks, of course, some are more important than others, and the two most important ones are our uh, debathification and some kind of reconciliation of the oil revenue, the so-called hydrocarbon law, those are the two most important ones, in my opinion, and those are the ones, again, where there has been the least amount of progress 
there also is some some provisions for some kind of amnesty to try to bring in some people who in the past have have opposed the occupation but no substantial progress on that and the uh, uh, regaining national government control or stifling the influence of the militia movements in Iraq again that also is something that has made really no meaningful progress at all over the last six months. A statement made by Lee Hamilton, one of the co-chairs of the study group, is that the military mission should shift from ending Iraq's sectarian conflict to containing it. Is this surprising? No, not at all. I think that that is is essentially what I have argued and my colleagues here at Cato have argued for for a few months now, that it following U.S. military withdrawal, uh, it is like there is likely to be an increase in violence in the country uh, because the mere presence of U.S. forces is uh, serving at some level to tamp down the, the uh, full-scale civil war, and, and the, the object of U.S. policy should be to try to contain that violence as best possible. But as the Iraq Study Group pointed out, as Lee Hamilton and, and uh, James Baker and others pointed out, that's why it's so crucial for Iraq's neighbors to be involved in a long-term plan for, for, that, for containing that violence, because just as the United States has no interest in seeing the Iraqi civil war spill over the borders, uh, Iraq's neighbors have an even greater interest in seeing that that uh, violence does not spill over their borders. It starts by them pledging not to continue funding the various militias that are uh, consistent or that that, uh, align with their own uh, preferred uh, sectarian groups, uh, but it also has to do with with agreeing some kind of a, a regional uh, solution that that does contain the violence and and tries to prevent that from becoming a regional conflict, which would be a, a horrible uh, for the people and also ultimately detrimental to U.S. interests as well. You've pointed out before that even advocates of the troop surge had made their case in recognition that this might very well be a, a long term uh, engagement and the possibility of greater short-run casualties in hopes of getting other parties to to step up. Where does that stand? Well, the, the counterinsurgency doctrine uh, does provide uh, or does uh, stipulate that there will be increased risk to U.S. Uh, to, to U.S. personnel. The counterinsurgency missions require you to come out of your bases to interact with the population to in the attempt to try to acquire meaningful intelligence and to also establish some kind of trust and, and uh, mutual respect. Uh, and so, sure enough, our troops have been exposed to greater harm and the casualties uh, among U.S. U.S. personnel are up. Um, the, again, you could make the argument that those that those kinds of losses were justified or legitimate if there was some confidence that over the long term, medium to long term, uh, it was contributing to a, a solution. And, and again, so much of counterinsurgency depends upon a political a reconciliation of political process to be in place, and we've seen absolutely no signs at all, frankly, uh, that that's going on in Iraq. So bottom line, uh, what we've seen over the last six months is uh, some uh, shifting of the violence, the, the, bo- the burden of which falls uh, uh, disproportionately on our own troops, and and no progress on the part of the Iraqi government towards political reconciliation. And, and so really the, the surge from my perspective so far has been a complete failure. Christopher Preble is the Cato Institute's Director of Foreign Policy Studies. This is the Cato Daily Podcast. If you have a comment, send it to cbrown at cato.org. You may also make an online donation to support the work of the Cato Institute.